Apparently, there are secret tapes of Joe Biden being bribed by Burisma. This is a bombshell development in Bidengate scandal. There are recordings, at least according to Senator Chuck Grassley, of conversations between the Burisma executive who allegedly handed Joe Biden $5 million and him speaking with the Bidens, with Joe and Hunter Biden. Literally, Senator Chuck Grassley revealed these details on the Senate floor, the Mystery Barisma executive who allegedly bribed the hand to Joe Biden five million dollars in return for political favors, in return for pressuring Ukraine to fire the prosecutor that was investigating Barisma, etc. He has 17 recordings of himself speaking with either Joe Biden or Hunter Biden. He kept it as an insurance policy. We will bring you all those stunning details coming up. We have new details about the massive amounts of COVID relief money that either were wasted or were stolen. From the government, hundreds of billions of dollars down the drain. We will get to that coming up. Daniel Penny has spoken out. He is the ex-Marine who was involved in the tragic death of Jerome Neely on a New York City subway. Of course, Daniel Penny is the man who put Neely in a chokehold or in a headlock. He confirmed in this recording that he made, this video that he made, he confirmed a lot of the details that we suspected. So that is coming up. Thousands of Chinese nationals are coming across the Mexican border illegally. And, of course, they're being allowed in. They're being shuffled right across literally thousands of Chinese nationals coming across the southern border. Are we, are we surprised? Meanwhile, hospitals near the border are being – this is outrageous. Hospitals near the southern border are being forced to turn away pregnant women, legal U.S. citizens, because they are at capacity due to all the illegals that they are busy Treating. So that story is coming up. Mayor Eric Adams, did you know this? He is suing Rockland County. Mayor Eric Adams suing Rockland County. It's egregious. He's suing a bunch. He's suing like 30 counties in upstate New York, including Rockland, trying to force them to accept illegals. And what's amazing is, think about Eric Adams. He files a lawsuit asking a judge, literally he filed a lawsuit asking a judge to rescind New York City's status as a sanctuary city, and yet at the same time, he's asking a court to force uh, these upstate counties to accept illegals and to be sanctuary cities. How do you possibly reconcile that? I mean, it's just egregious. President Trump continues to dominate the polls, and as expected, I mean, he's literally crushing everybody, and, uh, you know, from DeSantis on down. DeSantis is the only one who's, like, even anywhere remotely close, and DeSantis is nowhere. DeSantis is nearly 40 points below Trump in the latest CBS poll, and as expected, the indictment, the new indictment, the classified document indictment, which is not about classified documents, as we explained last time, that actually gave Trump a boost in the polls. Unbelievable. Uh, A new CBS poll shows that Trump continues to pummel Ron DeSantis and everyone else in the pool. And the indictment gave Trump a surge. The CBS poll was conducted after the news broke last week of Trump's looming indictment. Now, of course, on Tuesday, Trump was indicted. And literally, as I said, Trump ahead of DeSantis by nearly 40 points. And no, nobody else breaks, I think, five or three percent. And look, I still do not believe that that is why they indicted Trump. I know a lot of people are saying this is why they indicted Trump. They want to give him the boost. They want to make sure that he, he's going to win the primary. Number one, he's going to win the primary. Look, we'll see what ends up happening. But I've been saying that for a long time. I just every poll has re, has reaffirmed that it's early. I will grant you that it's early. Surprises happen. But I don't think that's the Democrat strategy here. 
And I'm not saying they're unhappy. I'm not saying that the Democrats are not happy that Trump is getting a boost in the polls. Do the Democrats want Trump to be the nominee? Do they think that he's the most, you know, the easiest candidate to beat? It's perhaps. But this is not a, a political strategy. When you have Alvin Bragg indicting Trump over these bogus charges, it's not like some political strategy. He's getting together with the leaders of the Democrat Party or, you know, you have this uh, special counsel indicting Trump on these bogus Docu- uh, document uh, charges, the Espionage Act, because Trump had documents related to national defense, which probably every president who has ever left the White House has grabbed such documents with, with them. And don't tell me about how he was shuffling them around and talking to his lawyers. Anybody who's under investigation by the FBI, especially when you're Trump and you're a, a, a prime target, you got a bullseye on your back, of course you're going to speak to your lawyers and ask them what the options are as far as trying to you know, withhold the documents and not give them back to the FBI. That is not, I just don't believe that that's obstruction of justice. We can debate it, but like, I think anybody would do that in that scenario. But getting back to this, they despise Trump, okay? They're doing this because they despise Trump. Yeah, maybe there's like a fringe benefit. Oh, Trump gets a boost in the polls. Trump is the nominee. We want Trump to be the nominee. Fine. But it's not like we need to, politically speaking, we need to give Trump a boost in the polls to make sure he wins. So let's come up, let's build this case against him. Let's indict him on 37 federal charges ridiculous they just despise him they're seething with hate with hatred of the man and that is why they indicted him that's my belief anyways according to the cbs poll which was conducted between june 7th and june 10th again right after the news broke trump has dramatically expanded his lead he leads desantis by 38 points he leads every other candidate by at least 57 points let me run through the numbers here Trump at 61%, CBS poll, DeSantis at 23%, Senator Tim Scott is the closest to DeSantis, he's at 4%, Pence 4%, Haley 3%, and Vivek Ramaswamy on down at 1%. By the way, I like Vivek Ramaswamy, I'm not being facetious, I've mentioned this before, you listen to Vivek Ramaswamy, he had, by the way, he has pledged that if he becomes the president, which he won't, he says he's going to pardon Trump on day one, but he's at 1% along with all, all the other um, candidates. Uh, so again, Scott four, Pence four, Haley three. Uh, nowhere's ne- nowhere. No one is anywhere near Trump and DeSantis at twenty three percent. Trump at sixty one. The idea that inflation is slowing down is a myth. Like I just want to tear my hair out when I keep hearing the news. Everybody's celebrating the media. You know they, they're saying inflation is slowing, and it's helping the markets. So I guess that's good. But it's just bogus. It's a myth. What they're saying is like this, okay, inflation is at 4%, so the media is like doing cartwheels and giving each other high fives over inflation down to only 4%. The problem is, number one, it's still above the 2% target, uh, the Fed's 2% target, but much more importantly, it needs to eventually slow down. Like if it never hits 4%, then we'll literally turn into North Korea, Then, then the dollar is going to be worthless so it's not like a reason to celebrate it has to slow it's like it's like somebody's going like 120 miles an hour on the highway so they start to run out of gas so they're down to like 100 miles on the highway i know it's not a perfect analogy but the point is oh wow well we've gone down we were at 120 and now we're now he's only going 70 we were at 140 miles an hour now we're only 110 like that's not that's you know that's progress but it has to happen like if you just keep accelerating then it's not going to be good so it's not a reason to celebrate. The problem is that the starting point, it's not going, the issue is it needs to go negative. The starting point, prices are so insanely high. Anybody who goes to the grocery store and fills up their gas tank knows that prices are so high right now. 4% inflation, which is a which is 12 months, year over year, that's not going to help anybody. That's not going to decrease prices. Prices are going up still. Still, 4% means they're still going up. They're just not going up 
as quickly as they were. But you can't look at the one-year numbers. you got to look at the two-year numbers because uh, one year doesn't tell you much because inflation a year ago was already off the charts. So just give, let me give you the two-year numbers here very quickly here without getting into the weeds. Two-year change in inflation. April of this year, 13.5%. Two-year, okay? The 12-month, the 24-month inflation rate in April was 13.5%. Uh, compare that to April last year, it was 12.7%. So that's Biden. Biden, the two-year uh, inflation point is off the charts. Now compare that to Trump. Just compare the numbers. Again, we told you April of this year, 13.5%. April of last year, 12.7%. April 2021, which was right after Biden took office, 4.5%. That's the two-year inflation rate. April of 2020, 2.3%. April of 2019, 4.5%. The two-year, Trump's two-year inflation rate was incredibly low. Biden's is through the roof. And by the way, for one simple reason, and don't tell me Ukraine and don't blame it on Vladimir Putin, it's literally because Biden refuses to allow drilling. That is the cause of the, the vast majority, because inflation started a few months after Biden took office. And that is the number one reason. It's all it's because of all the government spending, and Trump is partially to blame as well. We'll get to the COVID relief story. But it's also because Biden refuses to allow new drilling licenses for oil companies. And that has caused the price of oil to skyrocket, and everything comes from there. Meanwhile, the federal budget deficit is now over $2 trillion for the past 12 months. $2 trillion. A few years ago, the entire federal budget was $2 trillion. Not that long ago. And now, over the past 12 months, the federal deficit deficit is over $2 trillion. That's, over, that's more than twice as high as the deficit was pre-COVID. And COVID changed all of this when it comes to government spending. So between the inflation and the budget deficit, and now raising the debt ceiling, getting virtually nothing in return, the economy is in shambles. The economy is in really bad shape. And everybody, like I said, you go to fill up a tank of gas, you go to buy pizza, you go to, to the grocery store to buy milk and eggs and bread, and you are you know, I don't have to tell you the state of the economy, the state of inflation. Joe Biden has vetoed a bill that would have canceled his insane student loan forgiveness program. And it's egregious. And of course, the media is totally burying this story. But this is a bipartisan bill. I'm not saying a lot of Democrats voted for this, but you have Democrats. It's very hard to pass anything right now in the House and the Senate. So you literally have a bipartisan bill that went to Biden that would erase, repeal his student loan forgiveness, which is going to cost hundreds of billions of dollars in government tax dollars. We are paying for people who went to college and now have degrees and now probably are even working and making a decent amount of money. And uh, we have to pay for their student loan forgiveness. So and and Congress passed a bill. That's the House and the Senate. OK, a bipartisan bill. This bill passed the House. And I want to what I want to show you is really the reasoning, the explanation that Biden gives, because it's so typical swampy Washington, D.C. The reason Biden gives the logic for why he's vetoing this bill. Again, does he know what's going on? Do they hand him a script and he just reads it? I don't care. But the, the logic here tells you everything you need to know about Washington, D.C. So this passed the House 218 to 203. So a bunch of Democrats, yeah, I think every Republican and then a bunch of Democrats voting for this bill. Then in the Senate, you had basically three Democrats voted in favor of this bill in addition to every Republican. It, it, it passed, I don't know, 51 to 49, I think. Joe Manchin and Senator Tester, both, both Democrats voted in favor of this bill. And Kristen Sinema, who's technically an independent, but she caucuses with the Democrats in the Senate. She voted in favor of this bill. And what's amazing is the Biden's explanation, because he's playing the COVID card. Th- th- this is what they do. They're, they're insisting that student loan forgiveness is somehow necessary because of COVID. They're still using COVID. They're, they're, it's unbelievable. And then they say, well, there's so much other government waste, so we can 
forgive the student loans. I'm going to read you the quote here. That's basically what they say is, look, there's so much COVID relief money. So then they, they spend the money, which they never should spend. And then they use that next time and say, well, we can spend more money because look, we spent it on COVID or we spent it on this program. So now we can spend it on everything else. Do you realize how twisted that logic is? So, but, but again, literally uh, attributing this to COVID. We are here, we are in June, 2023. They're attributing the student loan forgiveness to COVID. And what's the real reason, by the way, that they're forgiving student loans? Because Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez and the woke leftists and the squad, they made this now popular in the Democrat Party. The socialist wackos made it like this, like necessity that you need to forgive student loans. So here's what here's what Biden said. He said that members who voted for this bill in Congress personally received loans, personally received loans to keep their small businesses afloat during the pandemic and supported huge tax cuts for the wealthy. But when it comes to hardworking Americans trying to get ahead, dealing with student debt relief, that's where they draw the line. I think that's wrong. That's a quote from Biden. Let me make something really clear. I'm never going to apologize for helping working and middle class Americans as they recover from this pandemic. He's helping working class Americans recover from this pandemic by canceling student loans and, and placing the $400 billion burden on the taxpayers. It's unbelievable. Tens of millions of people are going to have their student loans forgiven, including people who are doing very well. Listen to this. $10,000 in student loans being canceled for anyone making less, I, or I think anyone or, or virtually anyone, making less than $125,000 a year and up to $20,000 for students who receive Pell Grants. So over $400 billion. Um, it, again, it's being fought through the courts, so hopefully the courts overturn this. But you're making $120,000 a year, and you have student loans, and we, the taxpayers, have to fund your student loans because you're busy um, – trying to recover from the pandemic and from COVID. It's just, it's disgraceful. It is a total disgrace. And, but think about Biden's logic here. Well, they, the, they took COVID relief money. These members of Congress who voted for this, they took COVID relief money. So now how can you not forgive student loans? Like that is so twisted. Like, well, they spend obscene amounts of money and they're selfish. So now we're going to cost the taxpayers $400 billion. It's not like Joe Biden taking out of, out of their pockets and saying, listen, you took the money. I'm going to take the money back from your pocket. No, it, he's taking it from me. He's taking it from me and you. He's saying, listen, these members of Congress, they took COVID relief. And now they're voting against student loan forgiveness. That doesn't seem fair. So I'm going to take your money. I'm going to take the money of the American people who are hardworking taxpayers. And I'm going to take that's going to show them. I'm going to show these members of Congress. I'm going to steal money from the taxpayers. You can't make this stuff up. They use that to justify more spending. Like the logic is the exact opposite. But this is this is how it works in Washington, D.C. Spend obscene amounts of money and then you want to spend more. It's like, well, you already spend obscene amounts. No, well, they spend obscene amounts of money. So now I'm also going to spend obscene amounts of taxpayer dollars. I mean, logic would literally tell you the exact opposite. But, of course, this is Washington, D.C. There's no logic. It's just spend, spend, spend because it's other people's money. So why would you not spend? You almost have to be crazy not to spend other people's money, right? Uh, should we get into this? All right. Target has been hit with bomb threats. And basically, I don't know if I have the headline in front of me here, but uh, the egregious media. Let me see if I can find the headline. Egregious media made it sound as though Target is being targeted. Target. No, you know, I'm not trying. That's not like a pun, like a bizarre, uh, just unfortunate pun there. But um, Target was hit with, I use the word hit and not targeted, okay? But Target was hit with bomb threats. Target put out these immoral displays of clothing, these, these, these pride clothing displays, and they literally lost $15 billion. Woke Target, okay? Another one of these companies that puts politics before biz profits, which is just stupid. It's just dumb, like Ben and Jerry's. And it you know comes back to haunt you because... Just stay out of politics. Just don't. Nobody want. Nobody cares what Target's political agenda is. But they're, they're woke company. They lost fifteen billion dollars in like a week. Bud Light had a similar story. 
Uh, and uh, basically what happened was then they pulled the display because they lost, they literally $15 billion in like a week in valuation. I mean, in, in, in stock, their stock tanked. And that's hard to do. That's a, that's a huge amount of money. This is a huge blunder by Target. And um, so they got hit with bomb threats by people on the left. People on the left were upset when they removed, they didn't get hit by people on the right who were outraged that they're, they're sticking these immoral displays of clothing in front of the store and like children in literally children's clothing section. So children have to be bombarded with this stuff. It was, it was just disgraceful. It was despicable. And so, so they pulled the, 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 their stock tanks, billions of dollars. They pulled the dis- displays and to try to salvage whatever's left of their business. And then the, 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 the woke left actually um, called them up with bomb threats, actually targeted them with bomb threats so it came from the left, not the people on the right. People on the right were very civil. They were disgusted, but civil. People on the left made bomb threats, and the Washington Post and other media outlets, of course, made it sound like they literally, the, 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 the headlines were so misleading, they made it sound like it was people on the right. Here, let me read you some of these. Target stores in at least, here, bomb threats made against Target stores in Utah, Ohio, Pennsylvania over pride controversy. Okay, what does it sound like? Here's the Washington Post. Target stores see more bomb threats over pride merchandise. Okay, so what does it sound like? It sounds like the, the bomb threats are due to the fact that they have this merchandise, that they are showing this immoral merchandise and displaying it. It's the opposite. It's because they pulled it. So the, the, the headlines here were extremely, extremely deceptive and egregious. All right, so let's get to this bombshell in the Biden gate bribery scandal. Senator Chuck Grassley literally revealed this on the Senate floor. This is surreal. On Monday, the, the Burisma executive who allegedly paid Joe Biden and Hunter Biden millions in bribes kept 17 audio recordings uh, as an insurance policy. And by the way, this was in the FD 1023. The FD 1023, it was shown to the House Oversight Committee with redactions. OK, Chuck Grassley had seen an earlier version with fewer redactions. So the unredacted or the less redacted version actually shows that um, the FBI informant uh, told the FBI that the Burisma executive has 17 recordings of himself. Where are these? I want to see. I want to hear these recordings. Where are these recordings that he kept as an insurance policy? And and uh, literally, Chuck Grassley said this on the Senate floor. Of course, the media isn't bothering with this because they're too busy with the Trump indictment. Um, but we have other stunning new details in this Biden Gate scandal from Fox News. Also, again, being I've even seen much of this on conservative media other than Fox. But this is huge. Listen to this. The, the Burisma executive, we told you this is coming from a highly credible FBI informant who actually had interactions, multiple interactions with this Burisma executive who allegedly bought, bribed the Bidens, paid the Biden crime family like $10 million in return for political favors. So listen to some of these details here. The Burisma executive, again, this is all coming from the informant, highly credible informant. The FBI has used this informant for 10 years, paid the informant over $200,000 for their work, his or her work. So the, that informant is actually telling the FBI all this information, which is on the FD-1023 form, as what was told to him or her by the Burisma executive. By the way, there is speculation that this this is a very high-level Burisma executive, the speculation that it was actually the head of the company, the CEO of the company. But either way, the Burisma executive was asking advice from this confidential source who's a business professional about gaining uh, oil rights in the United States and getting involved with the U.S. oil company. Okay, this is all according to the document, according to Fox News, who spoke to somebody who viewed the document. I'm sure it was leaked from one of these members of Congress. The Burisma executive spoke with the confidential source to get advice on the best way to go forward. This is back in 2015, 2016. And the, uh, according to this source, 
the Brisbane executive discussed Hunter Biden's role on the board. The source asked the Brisbane executive, why do you need advice from me about access to U.S. oil? You have Hunter Biden on your board. And the Brisbane executive responded and said, Hunter Biden is dumb. <laughs> Literally, that's what this document says. According to Fox News, Hunter Biden is dumb. So that's why I can't get Hunter Biden. And we all know Hunter Biden is an expert, just like he's a great artist. He's an expert on oil, on energy, on, you know, so uh, on oil and gas. So that's why he was on the Burisma board. Nothing to do. I mean, he admitted that it's because his, his last name is Biden. He literally admitted that in an interview at one point. But uh, the Burisma executive explained to the source Burisma had to pay the Bidens because Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin was investigating Burisma. And he said it's going to be difficult for us to enter the U.S. market while the investigation is going. And the source further detailed the conversation, suggesting that the Burisma executive pay the Bidens $50,000 each. And the Burisma executive replied, no, it's not 50000 It's $5 million. So I don't know exactly what that back and forth was. A little confusing, but either way. So he says $5 million for one Biden, $5 million for the other Biden. That's what the Burisma executive told the source. I guess the, you know, the, sor- the source was basically like this and pay uh, you know, this informant person was setting all this up, obviously, but said to the executive, listen, pay the Bidens 50000 He's like, no, it's not 50000 And basically got him to admit that he's paying $5 million per Biden, half for Joe, you know, $5 million for Joe, $5 million for Hunter. And these payments appeared to be, again, according to Fox, a retainer um, to deal with a number of issues. They wanted the Bidens to deal with a number of issues in a pay-to-play scheme. Um, and what they're saying is that, the Burisma executive said he paid the Bidens through so many different bank accounts that investigators would not be able to unravel the payments for 10 years, which is why this is going to be very difficult to charge the Bidens with, because they're going to have a very difficult time actually uh, finding the bank record, locating the bank records because they did because they paid it specifically in a way to make it super complicated. The, you know, they wove the, these payments, they funneled it making it almost impossible to trace the payments. But again, we have this informant. The document then makes reference to the big guy, and it says that they, they asked Biden to pressure Ukraine to fire Viktor Shokin, the prosecutor. And as we know, Biden is on a tape, and they asked for a bunch of political favors, but that was probably the biggest. Basically, Biden said to Ukraine, I'm going to withhold your aid money, the funding, U.S. aid funding, until you fire Shokin. And literally, Biden is on a tape bragging about the fact that, well, yeah, you know, he got Victor Shokin. I'm not leaving here. I'm not giving you the money until you fire Victor Shokin. And what do you know? They fired Victor Shokin. So Biden literally quit pro quo, withheld aid money to Ukraine unless they fire. And they fired him, this Victor Shokin, who happened to be investigating Burisma, which is the company that Hunter sat on the board of. And that was one of the several political favors that Joe Biden did as VP in return for taking millions of dollars in bribes, allegedly, from Burisma. So it's unbelievable. And again, this is not proof. All I'm saying is open an impeachment inquiry. I'm not saying that they should impeach him tomorrow. I think there's enough here to impeach. But, you know, we know how, you know, the, the, the they're kind of they don't have that kind of courage, the Republicans, unlike the Democrats. The Democrats not courage, it's hatred, but the Republicans just don't do it even when it's deserved because they're afraid of the backlash. Alan Dershowitz says there's enough evidence here to warrant an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. So it's really just incredible what's going on. Dershowitz said, quote, of course, the House, when it was controlled by Democrats, went very, very far investigating Donald Trump. I said at the time they'll have to be tit for tat when the Republicans get control of the House. They'll do the same thing. I prefer mutual disarmament. But you can't have unilateral disarmament if one side weaponizes the impeachment and criminal justice system. The, the other side, you can expect to do the same. Well, they're not. They're not doing the same. Amazing how even to this point, even with all the evidence here against Biden, I don't think they're going to impeach Biden. I'm not even sure they're going to open an impeachment inquiry, but how can they not? Maybe they will. 
Um, ben Shapiro said, getting back to the Trump classified documents and the Hillary email server. So Ben Shapiro said, quote, I cannot believe a high ranking government official stored classified documents in a private area, likely exposed those documents to foreign eyes, then attempted to destroy copies of those documents. We should definitely prosecute that presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton. So you get what Ben's doing over there. He's flipping it around. He's giving you the facts that are being alleged against Trump. And he's pointing out that's Hillary. Then he says, quote, wait, we didn't prosecute Hillary because James Comey said she didn't have the requisite intent to distribute information abroad. Well, probably we should prosecute Trump for taking documents home and hiding them in his closet anyway. The president of not prosecuting the last president of the last party was fun while it lasted. Joe Biden better get some lawyers ready. So Ben Shapiro there basically insinuating that, you know, when uh, if and when a Republican takes control of the White House, they will then prosecute Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. I'm not sure about that. I mean, again, like I say, there is a double standard. And now you were like, well, now there's a precedent. So now the Republicans, I don't I don't I'm not convinced. I want the Republicans to prosecute Hillary at this point and, and Joe Biden and Hunter and, and Comey. And everybody, you know, all these other crooks. But I still don't believe the Republicans are going to do it, even with this precedent. And that's what's amazing. You know, a caller left me a voicemail. I was kind of uh, slamming the conservatives who didn't want to prosecute Hillary when Trump was president. And now suddenly they say, oh, well, you're prosecuting Trump. How can you indict Trump and not indict Hillary? And it's like, well, why'd you wake up now? You, woke, you finally woke up and realized that you're prosecuting Hillary. So a caller made the following point. He said, listen, here's what they mean. What they mean is... They didn't want Hillary to be indicted. They don't want Trump to be indicted. You cannot indict over this. But if you're going to indict Trump, now you have to indict Hillary, too. They want nobody to be indicted. But if you're going to indict Trump, now you have to indict Hillary. That's what they mean. I don't believe that. And I'll explain why. I understand the point. The point is that you know, I'm saying, why didn't you wake up? And this caller is saying, listen, they don't want anybody indicted. They would prefer these indictments go away. Here's my problem with that is if Trump becomes president tomorrow, OK, if DeSantis becomes president January 2025, right? Inauguration day, January 20th. And DeSantis says, all right, we're appointing an attorney general, special prosecutor, whatever. If they indict Hillary and they indict Joe Biden, I don't think that these conservatives who didn't want to lock her up the first time, I don't think they're going to suddenly rally and say, you know what, let's indict Hillary. I think they're still going to say, maybe I'm wrong. They're still going to say, you know what, bygones being bygones, we have to all unite. You know, yeah, it was an ugly time. Trump, it was all Trump. They, you know, Trump, uh, Trump is the uh, lightning rod. So everybody wanted to get Trump. But this is not good. This is going to devolve. This, I, that's what I think. I think that if, if if a Republican takes office and says, listen, you indicted Trump, I'm indicting Hillary, same crime. And what Hillary did was so far worse, so far worse. But uh, I, I don't think they're going to support. I think they're going to say, listen, this is going too far. It's getting carried away. You know, you're weaponizing the justice system. I'd be happy to be wrong. But that was my issue. But but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong. Because how can you not indict Hillary and Hunter and Joe? But I just don't believe it's ever going to happen. All right. So uh, COVID relief, the largest fraud in U.S. history. This is according to an AP analysis, fraudsters. And this is, of course, all because the government. And look, I'll give President Trump some blame here because they were just basically dishing out billions of dollars, said, listen, get it out there. We have to stimulate the economy. There's a shutdown. There's a lockdown. The market's tanked. So it was just like, get the money out and just don't vet it and don't pay attention to who's getting the money. And, just, you know, just ignore. Like It's like they basically it was ripe for fraud and for theft. So. Um, fraudsters stole over $280 billion in COVID relief funding. Another $123 billion was either wasted or misspent. Um, so of the $4.2 trillion that the government dispersed in COVID relief aid, it says so far dispersed, make it sound like they're still dispersing COVID relief aid, which is insane. 10% of that, at least, at least 10% of that was either stolen or wasted. And they're saying the number is going to grow. So without getting into all the details over here, um, the government was quickly sp seeking to spend trillions of dollars in relief aid, so they had too little oversight. 
in the early stages of the pandemic and instituted too few restrictions. So it was just way too easy. It was just easy to just grab the money and defraud the government and uh, like deceive the government and, 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 and pretend to be you know identity theft and everything else. And there was no oversight, so the government was just giving out the money. Here's a quote here. Dan Fruchter, chief of the Fraud and White Collar Crime Unit at, at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Eastern District of Washington, said, quote, here was this sort of endless pot of money anybody could access. Folks kind of fooled themselves into thinking it was a socially acceptable thing to do, even though it wasn't legal. You know, I, you could blame people. Obviously, I'm not condoning if you defrauded the government, if you took money from the government illegally, claimed you deserved COVID funding. I do not condone that. That is you know, you know, uh, inexcusable, but the government asked for this. Okay. The government is basically saying, here's the money I'm giving it away. So come and get it. So to me, the onus, the big, uh, you know, negligence here is on the government. People are going to, if you just give out money, people are going to lie, cheat and steal. I'm not condoning it, but that is going to happen. The government just, just throws out this money, just gives out billions of dollars. It's unreal. Government has charged more than 2,230 defendants with pandemic related fraud crimes, um, most of the looted money was taken from three large initiatives. These were programs that were designed to help small businesses and unemployed workers. Uh, let me try to find some details over here. Yeah. Just so you know how the COVID relief money was allocated. I'll just give you the top few groups over here. Stimulus checks, rental and homeowner assistance, rural housing, SNAP, WIC allocated $1.15 trillion that of the total of like over 4 trillion that was spent. That was $1.15 trillion. Pandemic unemployment aid, $1.04 trillion. Loans to small businesses for payroll, rent, utility costs, $778 billion. COVID uh, relief fund, state and local fiscal recovery fund. FEMA disaster relief, six, uh, $674 billion. And provider relief funds, vaccines, substance abuse, mental health services, nursing homes, research and development, what, $351 billion. Obscene amounts of money. And basically, there was a lot of like identity theft. People were literally like stealing uh, uh, social security numbers that belonged to deceased people, and were using it like stuff that was really easy. If they had just done some simple vetting, all these government agencies, the SBA and other agencies that were handing out this money, FEMA, if they had just done some simple vetting, there, there was so much identity theft going on. Like, it may not have even been hard to uh, you know to discover a, a lot of this fraud. But like I said, they didn't bother. Just get the money out. All right, Daniel Penny has spoken out. The ex-marine. Tragically put Jordan Neely in a headlock, and then Mr. Neely tragically perished. So Daniel Penny released a video telling his side of the story, and he basically said that Neely kept repeating three things. This is amazing. Basically, Neely was threatening. And again, it's tragic. It's horrific. It's unspeakable. It's heartbreaking. You know, But, um, but, but, but it seems that it was either in self-defense or it was to protect others. Neely uh, was threatening uh, subway passengers. He kept repeating three things, according to Daniel Penny. Quote, I'm going to kill you. I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. And he said, uh, you know, Daniel Penny says it was a scary situation. Mr. Neely came on. I'm six foot two. He was taller than me. So he's a very big, big man. This this Mr. Neely is is taller than than Daniel Penny, who's six foot two. He says, I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying these threats. I just couldn't sit still. So Penny then discussed the timeline. He debunked. There's a bogus timeline being that was being reported by the media in the early days um, following this tragedy. He, and he debunked this. He says the entire interaction, not just the chokehold, the entire interaction with Mr. Neely took less than five minutes. Initially, the mainstream media reported that Mr. Neely was held in a chokehold for 15 minutes. He said, quote, some people say I was holding on to Mr. Neely 15 minutes. Not true. 
Between stops, only a couple of minutes. The whole interaction was less than five. Some people say I was trying to choke him to death. Also not true. I was trying to restrain him. You can see in the video there's a clear rise and fall of his chest, indicating that he is breathing. I'm trying to restrain him from being able to carry out the threats. Then Daniel Penny debunked the idea that he's a racist who are looking to kill a black man. He says, quote, and then some people say this is about race, which is absolutely ridiculous. I did not see a black man threatening passengers. I saw a man threatening passengers, a lot of whom were people of color. A man who helped restrain Neely was a person of color. Then a few days after the incident, I read the papers, a woman of color came out and called me a hero. I do not believe I'm a hero, but she was one of the people I was trying to protect. So again, it's unbelievable how the, the, the media makes it all about race. He says it so well there, Daniel Penny. He says, I did not see a black man trying to attack people or trying to threaten people. I saw a man trying to threaten people. And that's what this is about. And that's how the people that I respect and mostly conservatives, they don't view somebody and look at them and look at their skin color and the gender. Is it a man or is it a woman? Is it a black man or is it a white man? I don't look at things that way. I don't think you who are listening to this looks at people that way. We look at them as human beings. It's always the people on the left. It's always that's the narrative. And because that is how they think, because they really are racist. So they literally do see a black man and they see a white man and a black man. I'm not even paying attention to those details, honestly. And uh, I'm glad that he spoke out. And hopefully, you know, unbelievable how all these vicious, violent criminals and murderers are walking the streets of New York City. But this man who's, who, who, who tragically, tragically um, killed, it should never happen. It's terrible. But, you know, he's being he's the one being prosecuted, trying to protect people from the anarchy on the subway. All right. Border crisis. Hospitals on the U.S.-Mexico border are so inundated and packed with pregnant illegals pregnant illegal women, that American citizens are being forced to delay their scheduled deliveries. This is according to RFK, RFK Jr. Uh, uh, and this is on Breitbart. Um, he visited the southern border, um, and he says it, it's unbelievable. He says that border towns are so strained right now and so overloaded, overwhelmed, so that, you know, they'll, they'll schedule to induce, right? You'll have these pregnant American women for various reasons. It could be medical health reasons and other reasons where they schedule an induction. They schedule... Uh, an appointment to be induced for labor, he says, because the illegal women are, the, the hospitals are at capacity treating illegal pregnant women who are giving birth, so they're turning away American citizens. I mean, it's just beyond outrageous. In Yuma Hospital Maternity Ward, mothers occupied 32 of 36 beds. Local mothers had to literally delay their induced pregnancies for two weeks because illegals occupied 32 of 36 beds in Yuma Hospital. And uh, like I said, thousands of Chinese nationals, I had the story here somewhere, something like uh, 13,000 Chinese nationals have crossed the southern border uh, over the past year or something along those lines. But yeah, the point is you have Chinese nationals, we know they're, they're finding a lot of terrorists, a lot of Islamic terrorists, people coming over from the Middle East, members of ISIS and other terror groups, they're cross, they want to get into the United States, right? Well, they can't get on a plane because TSA, it's unbelievable how they're so careful with customs immigration getting on an airplane, but then when it comes to the southern border with Mexico, you just waltz on in. The Biden, the Biden administration is begging people to come in. So what do you think is going to happen? Chinese nationals, many of them I guarantee you are spies. They are coming in to the United States through the southern border. And of course, no problem. Let them ride in. Anyone who's Asian, they should, they should turn everybody away. But certainly Asians, just turn them away. But they're not. Biden's letting them in. They're just asylum seekers like everybody else. Same thing with uh, you know, uh, members of ISIS. Same thing with, with, with terrorists. Again, some of them are apprehended, but who knows how many of them sneak in and are not apprehended, and it's terrifying. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.